Hello, and welcome to the Crypto Masters Podcast, helping the general public to master an understanding of crypto assets. My name is Brian McCoy. And my name is Ross Eaton. And we are the, the Crypto, Crypto Masters. Masters. Let's get started on today's episode. Today's topic is EOS. EOS. <laughs> EOSHI. No, I don't know. <laughs> no, <that's... laughs> All right, as a reminder, our goal is to provide information about crypto assets to help the public make investment decisions in the crypto space. We don't try to predict short-term price movements, so this show is not for short-term traders. We provide information about different crypto assets to allow the listeners to make their own investment decision. This is not financial advice. On a previous episode of the podcast, we discussed the crypto platform Ethereum. Today, we'll discuss a different platform card called EOS. As we said in the podcast about Ethereum, Ethereum is the leader and sort of the standard for the smart contract platforms. So yeah, I mean, you know, in this podcast, it's going to be dedicated, you know, to comparing and contrasting EOS and the Ethereum. We've just got to do it. And uh, to give the listeners some information, uh, you know, to help them decide, hey, do you want to invest in this or not? Yeah. And I think just like comparing the other uh, cryptocurrencies to Bitcoin, when you're looking at the, uh, the uh, crypto platforms, you're really comparing them to, to Ethereum, right? It's the leader. It's the standard. So let's see what EOS has that's, that's different from that and what's what's you know compare and contrast that so that's what we're going to do let's do it let's jump in yeah so eos is a smart contract platform and decentralized operating system intended for the deployment of decentralized applications which we call dapps or dapps we've had this discussion before hey brian dap me up <laughs> <laughs> either dapps or dapps i believe both are acceptable so let's start with a little history or background on EOS. Give it to me, Brian. EOS issued its first block in January of 2018. And that came about uh, a year after it started its ICO, its initial coin offering. Get this, Ross. Strap in. It raised $4 billion in its ICO. I want to appreciate you dropping me. <laughs> With that kind of knowledge, I didn't have my seatbelt fully buckled, but yeah, the four billion dollars is insane for ICO. That it's is it's insane, mind boggling. So, uh, you know, some people have said that outrageous uh, ICO amount raised put a lot of pressure on EOS, and so um, perhaps it's held to a, a high standard because of that. So EOS does have its own blockchain. Um, its consensus mechanism is delegated proof of stake, which is a bit different, and we'll discuss that a lot later. Yeah, that's a big keyword there, yeah. delegated proof of stake. Yeah, the DPoS is a big uh, big aspect of the EOS system. So as we talked about before, one thing you look at when you're deciding whether to invest in a crypto asset is the core team behind the asset. And in this case, behind EOS is a company called Block.1. Block1. It's based in the Cayman Islands, but... I'd like to apply. <laughs> <laughs> the main, uh, the, the well-known uh, 
person behind EOS is Dan Larimer. He is the actually the CTO, the Chief Tech Chief Technology Officer. Officer, he's the creator of delegated proof of stake, which is a kind of a pretty big deal. You got to give the guy kudos for developing a uh, a whole new consensus. So he's the guy behind delegated proof of stake, which is what EOS uses, and we'll talk about later. He's also the man behind BitShares and Steam and the Steam and App. Um, actually, the CEO of the company is a man named Brendan Blummer. He, he's been involved in the blockchain since 2014, and he also has some credibility. So as far as the team goes, yeah. it sounds like uh, you know it, it's got some, uh, some credibility. Yeah, it's got some guys with experience for sure. So. Yeah. You can't you can't really uh, give it a big negative because of the team, especially uh, Dan Larimer, who's very well known. So the programming language, Ross. I'm going to turn this over to you. It uses C++ um, for the programming language for the D apps. And can you tell the listeners about this language, and maybe how it compares with Solidity language used by Ethereum? So yeah, definitely. Um... So fun fact for you, Brian, is C++ was one of my first programming languages, which I uh, stressfully used in college. Super fun. That is. Yes. I've got a lot of negative stuff with C++, so it's like when I see it, I kind of like cringe a little bit, you know. But, I mean, to give it its credit, um, it's been around forever. Um, There's a big community behind it. Good, really good documentation behind C++ as a developer. I think that's something we'll kind of dive into a little later. Um, but when you're learning a language, using a language, documentation and community is just a huge part because as you're struggling through the language, as everyone does, you're going to turn to documentation and community forums to kind of help you code along the way. Um, but C++, I mean, it's a, it's a, you'll see a lot of cryptocurrencies using it because it's, it's really efficient. It's really fast. And obviously with writing to blockchains and trying to be efficient and, a thing EOS is trying to do is kind of bring up that transaction speed. So obviously, you know, C++ is a good choice. So so let me ask this. on. Um, I, it sounds like a lot of uh, developers will have experience using C++. Is that a benefit uh, compared to the Solidity language used by Ethereum? Although so, I understand that uh, the Solidity is pretty comparable to um, a, another language uh, used in the... Yeah, it's very similar to JavaScript. The JavaScript. Um, I've so. done. I haven't coded in Solidity, but I've seen some documentation on it. It's very similar to JavaScript. But um, being that EOS is in C plus plus, I mean, you're only. And this is. I'm diving into a little bit of development talk here for you, Brian. But there's going to just be a, you know, a couple little libraries you have to use that um, really like if you're a C plus plus developer is not crazy to jump into i mean okay there's so many people that know c plus plus that can just dive into would you say circuit. slight advantage to eos for using c plus plus versus solidity with ethereum because maybe you have to learn the difference between solidity and java to the extent there are any differences i mean i would say so yeah okay so slight 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 pro in the column of eos on the uh, programming language that's a ross pro right there yeah. all right that's a ross <laughs> pro Okay, so the supply, we talk about the supply whenever we talk about, talk about crypto assets. Um, one of the things we emphasized in the uh, discussion on Bitcoin is that it is a limited supply. 
we're somewhat close to that limit. I mean, as a percentage standpoint, we're more than 85% of the amount of Bitcoin that will ever be issued. And we discussed that in our previous episode about Bitcoin as how that's going to affect supply and demand. Um, and we talked about Ethereum does not have a, a, a supply limit. And so on EOS, it also does not have a supply limit. Instead, it, it has a fixed 5% annual inflation. And part of that is used to pay the rewards to the uh, block producers, um, similar to the miners who win the puzzle on a, on a proof of work. Um, in this case, the annual inflation part of that goes to the, uh, essentially the, the winner or the chosen uh, person to win the block reward. And, so, you know, I, I think that little inflation mechanism there, I don't know, maybe in a way makes it a little better than Ethereum. With that unlimited supply, that's a thing I think you and me, Brian, agree on, is that unlimited supply is just, when I hear that, it's just, I don't know, it, it doesn't make me feel good. You it, know? it takes away the, you know, the supply demand, it takes away part of the supply side of that question because... On Bitcoin, you know the supply is is going to end, and therefore, if demand, you know, continues or increases, then demand is going to increase versus supply. Whereas, on Ethereum and EOS, there is no limit, but there is the fixed five percent. So it's not; it can't go up. You know, they can't just like a, like a central bank. They can't just print as much money as they want. Yeah, but they can't. It is a fixed five percent, so there is no cap. So, it's just a different thing to take in into consideration. I, that's one of the benefits, one of the pluses we put in the uh, in the Bitcoin column. So let's talk about, and, and you and I have discussed this, and we've we've sort of uh, decided there are basically three points. We always had a podcast on a side. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. But we had about filmed podcast, <laughs> right? But we discussed it for purposes of this podcast, and we said there are really three points of differentiation from Ethereum. Because really, you're going to decide: Am I going to buy? If I'm going to invest in a in a platform, um, is should it be Ethereum, which is the leader, or should it be something else? And if, if in deciding that, you're like, well, why would I do something other than Ethereum? And there are really three points we decided. Uh, differentiation between Ethereum and EOS. One, and this is emphasized by EOS, and that is the transaction fees. In Ethereum, the developers pay gas for the dApps and gas for the using the uh, the resources of the network. And gas essentially is you're paying ETH. I mean, you're paying uh, the Ethereum currency in order to make use of those assets. In EOS, the users, they, they stake EOS, which means they have to buy it and then stake it, meaning uh, put it in a, you know, sort of an escrow account or some separate account where you no longer have control of it, but you still have ownership of it. Um, so let's talk about that, Ross. I mean, gas is you're making a payment, and to me, it seems like on the, on the EOS where you have to stake it, um, and as I understand it, on EOS, you, they track both the use of CPU, the network use, and the RAM usage. And based on how much you use, that's how much you have to stake, um, or how much your dApp uses and how much your users of the dApps use. 
that's how much you have to stake. But if you want to get out after a cool down period, you get all your stake back, except for uh, some of the RAM, at least. That might be non-refundable in a sense. But otherwise, you're essentially renting the bandwidth as opposed to, in a sense, buying it from Ethereum. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's... <clears throat> and I, I kind of made this, I'll say, crude comparison earlier. Is like, you know, now with EOS, you've got to kind of stake or put in your money almost into this, like, black box of, like, you know, the blockchain itself. So, and let me make this crude comparison. So if you're the Fortnite developers, you know, and you want servers to run your um, your game on and have users come in i mean you've got to you've got to buy cpu network ram which equates to servers so uh. right but on eos you're not really buying it supposedly you're renting it because if you were to shut down your fortnite app which okay you wouldn't do if it's that successful but if it becomes unsuccessful and you want to shut it down in theory on eos well, I guess not in theory, but on EOS, after the cooldown period of, I don't know, 72 hours, you can get your stake back. And so essentially, it's kind of just like you're you're renting it. You, you have to buy the the EOS, and you have to release it to the stake, but you eventually get it back if you want it back. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just weird. Like, it, it, it's a weird concept, you know, to kind of, like, grasp at first. Because, I mean, if you compare it, go back to the Fortnite analogy— I mean, you would never do this, but you could shut down all the Fortnite servers, sell all your servers, and get your money back. It would be very weird, but, right. you know, it's kind of, I, I guess that that's in my mind how I'm kind of rationalizing it, if that makes sense. Yeah. So. Well, it's an, it is a difference. I mean, in, in uh, Ethereum, it's kind of straight up, you're paying gas, you're paying a transaction fee. In EOS, they say, hey, no transaction fees. You know, yeah, you got to stake it. But you can get that back. So, I mean, it is, it is a differentiation. Yeah. And it really, like, you know, if you're going to get involved in this, it makes sense to, like, hey, if you really want to spin up a D app, put in a stake of what you want to, yeah. how much well, RAM your, you know, network you want to pay for it. Yeah. All know. you have to do is buy, you know, the amount um, of, of uh, EOS that will justify your use of their uh, resources and then you know if it doesn't work out you get it back so I'm, i mean i think that's attractive in some sense to developers i would think all right so that's number one transaction fees Numero that's, uno. that's a difference between ethereum and eos number two transactions per second or speed or scalability everyone knows one of the big criticisms of ethereum has been it's it's speed or it's scalability i think it's 15 transactions per second, something like that. And, and really the whole crypto space really is yeah. how can this scale, how can it keep speed, you know? So. Right. But but been one of the big criticisms on Ethereum, especially CryptoKitties got popular and um, sort of shut it down or overloaded it. Um, of course, they're working on that. We'll talk about that later. But in any event, EOS says they're a million <laughs> Right? A million transactions per second? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, That's their what claim. they say. We don't think they've <laughs> achieved it. But in any event, it, it almost certainly is much, much faster uh, transactions per second than Ethereum. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's 
that's always my evaluation or my gripe with any cryptocurrency is like, you know, it's great. You know, I, I love the security behind it, but the speed is just not there. The speed is way slow, you know, right. to write a block is. I mean, we're in a sense, I mean, you go back to comparing sort of Bitcoin to Visa and MasterCard. Right? Oh, it's. I mean, it doesn't even, doesn't compare. And so it appears to be a big uh, downside. But of course, they're, you know, attempting to address that. And Ethereum certainly is attempting to address that. But the big, so number two, one of the big differences is the transactions per second, um, the speed slash scalability. And that ties into number three, the big, one of the big differences is the consensus mechanism. And currently, Ethereum uses proof of work, which we talked about in the Bitcoin podcast and the Ethereum podcast. Um, uh, and we'll also, as we noted, Ethereum is going to change to proof of stake, but it will still be a different proof of stake. It'll be a, you know as decentralized as possible. Yeah, remember that keyword here with EOS is that delegated proof right. of stake. Right. So, so so that's the consensus mechanism for EOS is delegated proof of stake. And um I'll, I'll let you talk about that. It's a little bit different than just a regular proof of stake. Yeah, yeah. So the the delegated proof of stake stake is um I mean, on the surface, it sounds awesome. So, essentially You like it. I like it. I like I love the idea. I don't know if I I love the idea. Okay. I don't know if I love the application or the practice of it, um, but essentially, you know, the delegated proof of stake can take many forms. But in EOS, there's 21 nodes that are elected, of basically officials, if you will, that um, basically have all the power over the chain. Um, these 21 nodes are basically token holders who stake EOS coin to, to vote, um, and basically. That's how you get in, and like I myself can vote on stakeholders to be this top twenty-one um, block producers. So the that, top so, twenty-one, the, the people or entities that receive the most votes, the top twenty-one votes, they become the block producers. Yep, and you can even um, so I naturally you're going to ask, well, how do I even vote on these top block producers? So um, EOS has actually built an application where you can um you know stake your EOS tokens on a particular um you know node or user that you want to be that that block producer. So you can download um the EOS voter, which I now have on my laptop, that I can uh, actually vote and stake EOS on a particular uh block producer. Or you can uh there's also a command line utility. I haven't used that one. Um but it's actually pretty easy to start voting on your um, block producer. It, right. So you actually but, own some, some some EOS, huh? Full disclosure, I own some EOS. I do. I do. <laughs> okay. So right. I want it to succeed in yes. a little way. <laughs> well, and I, you know, I got to say sort of uh, in response to that, I, I understand I get the, uh, you know, the 21 nodes versus the however many tens of thousands of nodes there are for Bitcoin and for Ethereum right now. And so that's sort of what allows it to increase the transactions per second, right? You get uh, approval from some percentage of 21 nodes as opposed to some percentage of tens of thousands of nodes. 
Oh yeah. And that, that's a huge point you bring up is like that directly ties back to the transaction fee or a transaction speed. I mean, um, you know, Bitcoin, you've got all these users, all these nodes, I mean, uh, battling to get that, to write that next block to validate that hash. Um, and here you've just got 21 elected, you know, delegates, right. block producers to write that. So, you know, you're, right. You're uh, sorting through 21 users instead of, uh, or 21 nodes instead of thousands, you know, tens so, of thousands. So uh, that that's sort of the pro side of the argument on uh, the delegated proof of stake. On the con side or the negative is the fact that you know the whole crypto space, the whole uh, principle behind Bitcoin is decentralization, and a lot of uh, people say that. 21 nodes is not decentralization. Um, so the not biggest, very decentralized. Right. So one of the biggest <laughs> criticisms is, you know, hey, through this whole crypto movement, we're moving toward decentralization. And the, um, the 21 nodes is not decentralization. That's too centralized. And, you know, recently there has been a lot of... Uh, with a lot of discussion that um, the majority of the uh, of the of the 21 nodes are, are based in China um, and even those that sort of indicate that they're not based in China really are and so that seems to be sort of more of a centralization you got a little bit of concern about the centralized government of China maybe perhaps stepping in as they did on um, regulating other aspects of crypto. There's also been some ability to buy votes and form cartels. And so uh, the big concern with the decentralized proof of stake is that it's not decentralized. Um, So that's sort of the con argument on that. Yeah, so if I may issue a counter argument here, Brian, I mean, if you look at the um, decentralization of other coins, um, you could see, you know, a lot of these nodes will group together and you, you form these node managers. Or you just have, you know, this guy in Switzerland with tons of servers just churning away. And you get you almost build these, like, mega nodes, you know, that this guy that's got millions of dollars to stake and tons of servers to you're, mine the blockchain. You're talking about proof of work. Yes, proof of yes. Work coins. So yeah. it, it's... I'd say it's almost comparable. I'd say when you you say the 21 delegates um, aren't centralized, I think just uh, as a a mitigating argument of that is just if you look at those other um, proofs of work, um, they do kind of get uncentralized just as people make more money than others and have more powerful server farms or whatever to mine the blockchain. I hear. The counter argument is that even in the – proof of work you get the mining pools and then that leads to some some extent of centralization as well yeah Mm -hmm. gotcha all right so you know i will say you know we've looked on uh, like d app radar and i know you've looked into this as a d app developer that uh, it does appear that eos is getting a lot of uh, a a lot of use by uh, d app developers i went on on d app radar and it just looked to me you know, I scrolled through and it showed sort of the platforms being used by the various D apps. And it looked to me like almost a somewhat even split between Ethereum, EOS, and Tron. Um, is that sort of what you've seen as well? 
Yeah, and uh, just to speak on that, as a developer, um, and really companies when they're decided on new, you know, software stacks to go with, let's say in this case, soft like a a programming language to go with, you always look at what are a lot of people using in the industry, and what's the um, community behind that because. As a developer, to be honest, I get stuck all the time, Brian. I get confused, lost, all this stuff. But if there's forums, if there's documentation to help back me up as a developer, I mean, it, it's a huge bonus. Yeah. And huge bonus. Understood. I'm, I'm sure it would be. So I, I would even have to acknowledge that on the DApp usage uh, column, I would say, you know, that's a pro for EOS. It seems to be it's being used by the DApp developers. So that's... Uh, clearly a good thing. Yeah, and obviously usage usage is going to drive up price. Yes. So uh, you know that that's a big factor. I mean, when you're looking at what to invest in, you should definitely look at what's being used. And I would say, I mean, you know, Ethereum again is probably still the leader, but um, I have to give EOS uh, credit as being uh, certainly one of them that's being used along with Tron. Um, you know, some others are up and coming like Cardano, but they haven't. They're a little bit behind, and so. Um, we'll see what happens, but yes, definitely a, a, a plus or a good sign that the, uh, the D app developers are using EOS quite a bit. Ross, I think maybe it's time for final thoughts, final thoughts, final thoughts on, <laughs> on EOS. And I am going to turn it over to you. Final thoughts. Oh you man, have, I'm you, in the hot seat. You have invested in EOS. So what are your final thoughts? Oh, I'm in staked. So, I am staked in this. You are staked, but. You know, our the purpose of this uh, podcast is to uh, give our listeners information on maybe what they should invest in. Um, they should make their own decision. But what are your thoughts on EOS? Yeah, I. It doesn't have my gold seal of approval. I I love the idea of delegated proof of stake, the being able to vote on who you want writing your blocks, and you know, be it you know at any point you could you know those. Delegates could be knocked out um, based on votes, based on um, stake in that delegate. I, I, it doesn't have the Gold Seal approval yet, but I am, I am, I'm sitting on EOS, just waiting to see what happens because I, I love the ideas they're they're coming up with. Is it I, fair to say you've invested in it, but you're sort of a moderate investor in it? I'm a very moderate investor. Right. I'm not, I'm not staking my next paycheck on uh, <laughs> EOS, but I, I, I love. I'd say I love uh, kind of front runners and ideas. You know, right. the delegated proof of stake. I, yes. I think it's a really cool idea. All right. So over to me. Final thoughts. I will say Brian, this. Brian, final thoughts. <laughs> I um, also give a lot of uh, kudos to the EOS team. Um, a mind-boggling amount of money they raised in their uh uh, their ICO. I give Dan Larimer credit, big time credit for the delegated proof of stake theory. I mean, it's uh, you know that's what we need here is more more ideas and more theories on making this crypto something that's better than the status quo. So a lot of credit on that. But I was waiting for the but. The but. but the, <laughs> the but is um, you know I have I. I'll, Full disclosure, I own no EOS. I do own some Ethereum, and I just think that the the 
decision or or the whether it's beneficial to invest in EOS is going to depend a lot on the outcome of Ethereum 2.0. I mean, Ethereum you know, 2.0, they're changing over to proof of stake. They're getting out of proof of work to proof of stake. It's going to be a much more decentralized uh, proof of stake than the delegated proof of stake that EOS uses. And then there are other sharding and um, scalability efforts. If those succeed, I just don't see a reason for developers to use EOS over Ethereum. Now, that's an if. I don't know if Ethereum 2.0 is going to succeed and they're going to achieve all these goals. But I'm sort of a little bit more of a purist. I'm not an extremist, but I'm a little bit more of a purist than you on the decentralization. And so for me... I respect it. <laughs> for me, the 21 nodes is just not... It's too few. It's too centralized for me. And so I am not an investor in it, but I and, and I will monitor it because in a sense, I yield to the uh, DApp developers because they're the ones who are have to develop on it. They have to look at the language. They have to look at the cost. They have to look mm -hmm. at the, all those yeah. issues. And so that's what's ultimately going to drive the usage of the developing the DApps, which then leads to the usage of the DApps. Um, so right now I am on, uh, on hold on EOS. I'm not buying, I'm monitoring it, but for, for now I am, uh, I'm, I'm still invested in my Ethereum and I'm going to monitor that and see if 2.0, uh, succeeds or has some big failure. And based on that would be my decision on EOS. All right. I don't respect your opinion. No, I'm just kidding. No, I do. And it's a, an excellent point. I think when that 21 delegates, when you just quantify that, it's just, it yeah. really is scary. Like coming from the crypto world yes. and being a main thing of decentralization, when you see a, a quantitative. Exactly. These are the delegates. These are the people. I mean, that's what it's going to come down to. That's yeah. what it's, it's sort of is. Uh, the antithesis of the decentralization that we're sort of all built on here. But if it works and it's a, you know, sort of a representative uh, democracy like, like we have in the United States. Um, and U.S. It, of A, baby. And it, <laughs> and it ends up, it ends up, ends up working and maybe Ethereum 2.0 runs into some problems. Then I could see EOS maybe even gaining some market share. And at that point being worth the investment. Yeah, and that that's where I kinda wanna ride out and just see like you know, I, I believe it I believe the system sound this the logic of it sounds great. You know, voting on your delegates to you know, if they're acting rightfully, you would write vote on the rightful candidate to be writing your blocks. Right. So right now it I'll admit it doesn't look good all of them coming from China. Yeah. You know, the concern I, is just the centralization and if the yeah. if the various uh delegates uh you know from china are somehow um you know in communications or acting together it then turns into the centralization that we're trying to get away from in the whole crypto universe and just uh just to put it out there we're not concerned with the china piece maybe a little bit but just that you know it's all no. in china maybe right. you know some in ukraine some in <laughs> somewhere else than china no it has nothing to do with the the good good intelligent people of, of China who are into this space, but 
Uh, a slight concern is the is the government there it certainly is centralized. Yep. Um, and and just you know with the twenty one, it's some it's something to think about. And that it, to me, from what I've seen, that's the biggest criticism of EOS. But it's very interesting to see, um, you know, and and, and uh, again to repeat it. A lot of, to me, is going to turn on the success of Ethereum 2.0. If Ethereum 2.0 addresses sort of these um, weaknesses of the current Ethereum that EOS is trying to overcome with scalability um, and the proof of stake, uh, then if, they're, if Ethereum's successful with that, then to me, it makes EOS less attractive. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, for sure. It's going to make... Ethereum for me more attractive. So yeah. right, right. <laughs> so it's it's again as usual in crypto. It's wait and see. Let's see. We hope we've given you some information to think about. And uh, this episode of uh, uh, of the podcast of the Crypto Masters is at an end. Ross. Yes. This uh, segues in. Maybe we need to come up with the outro, but we'll leave you with this uh, beautiful bass beat. <laughs> That's right. The Crypto Masters. Listen to our next episode.